0: Essay 5. From Squirrels and Other Fur Bearers This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Squirrels and Other Fur Bearers by John Burroughs. Essay 5. The Muskrat. It sometimes looks as if the Muskrat were weather wise and could forecast the coming season. I doubt if a long series of observations would bear out the truth of this remark, yet I have noticed that in his nest-building he sometimes hits the mark with surprising accuracy. In the fall of 1878 I observed that he built unusually high and massive nests. I noticed them in several different localities. In a shallow, sluggish pond by the roadside, which I used to pass daily in my walk, Two nests were in process of construction throughout the month of November. The builders worked only at night, and I could see each day that the work had visibly advanced. When there was a slight skim of ice over the pond, this was broken up about the nest, with trails through it in different directions where the material had been brought. The houses were placed a little to one side of the main channel and were constructed entirely of a species of coarse wild grass that grew all about so far as i could see from first to last they were solid masses of grass as if the interior cavity or nest was to be excavated afterward and doubtless it was as they emerged from the pond they gradually assumed the shape of a miniature mountain very bold and steep on the south side and running down a long gentle grade to the surface of the water on the north. One could see that the little architect hauled all his material up this easy slope, and thrust it out boldly around the other side. Every mouthful was distinctly defined. After they were two feet or more above the water, I expected each day to see that the finishing stroke had been given, and the work brought to a close. But higher yet, said the builder, December drew near, the cold became threatening, and I was apprehensive that winter would suddenly shut down upon these unfinished nests, but the wise muskrat seemed to know better than I did. Finally, about the 6th of December, the nest assumed completion. The northern incline was absorbed or carried up, and each structure became a strong, massive cone, three or four feet high, the largest nest of the kind I had ever seen. Does it mean a severe winter? i inquired an old farmer said it meant high water and he was right once at least for in a few days afterward we had the heaviest rainfall known in this section for half a century the creeks rose to an almost unprecedented height the sluggish pond became a seething turbulent watercourse Gradually the angry element crept up the sides of these lake-dwellings, till, when the rain ceased, about four o'clock, they showed above the flood no larger than a man's hat. During the night the channel shifted till the main current swept over them, and next day not a vestige of the nest was to be seen. They had gone downstream, as had many other dwellings of a less temporary character." The rats had built wisely, and would have been perfectly secure against any ordinary high water, but who can foresee a flood? The oldest traditions of their race did not run back to the time of such a visitation. Nearly a week afterward another dwelling was begun, well away from the treacherous channel, but the architects did not work at it with much heart. The material was very scarce, the ice hindered and before the basement story was fairly finished, Winter had the pond under his lock and key. In other localities I noticed that where the nests were placed on the banks of streams, they were made secure against the floods by being built amid a small clump of bushes. When the fall of 1879 came, the muskrats were very tardy about beginning their house. Laying the cornerstone or the corner sod, about December 1st, and continuing the work slowly and indifferently. On the fifteenth of the month the nest was not yet finished. Maybe, I said, this indicates a mild winter. And sure enough, the season was one of the mildest known for many years. The rats had little use for their house." again in the fall of eighteen eighty while the weather-wise were wagging their heads some forecasting a mild some a severe winter i watched with interest for a sign from my muskrats about november first a month earlier than the previous year they began their nest and worked at it with a will they appeared to have just got tidings of what was coming if i had taken the hint so palpably given my celery would not have been frozen up in the ground and my apples caught in unprotected places. When the cold wave struck us, about November twentieth, my four-legged I-told-you-sos had nearly completed their dwelling. It lacked only the ridge-board, so to speak. It needed a little topping out, to give it a finished look. But this it never got. The winter had come to stay, and it waxed more and more severe till the unprecedented cold of the last days of December must have astonished even the wise muskrats in their snug retreat. I approached their nest at this time, a white mound upon the white, deeply frozen surface of the pond, and wondered if there was any life in that apparent sepulchre. I thrust my walking-stick sharply into it, when there was a rustle and a splash into the water, as the occupant made his escape. What a damp basement that house has, I thought, and what a pity to rout a peaceful neighbor out of his bed in this weather, and into such a state of things as this. But the water does not wet the muskrat, his fur is charmed, and not a drop penetrates it. Where the ground is favorable, the muskrats do not build these mound-like nests, but burrow into the bank a long distance, and establish their winter quarters there. The muskrat does not hibernate like some rodents, but is pretty active all winter. In December, I noticed in my walk where they had made excursions of a few yards to an orchard for frozen apples. One day, along a little stream, I saw a mink track amid those of the muskrat. Following it up, I presently came to blood and other marks of strife upon the snow beside a stone wall. Looking in between the stones, I found the carcass of the luckless rat. With its head and neck eaten away. The mink had made a meal of him. End of Essay Five.